Welcome to the Lost Ones podcast. This is our occasional series where we broadcast opening events and interviews with our artists. This podcast was recorded in September 2017 and it was held to officially open the works of Tamara Dean in her show, Force of Nature. Compared by independent arts writer Owen Craven, this wide-ranging discussion covered issues of sexuality and coming of age in Tamara's photographs, her use of light and dark, and her painterly techniques. My name is Tara Poole and I'm one of the owners and founders of the Lost Ones Contemporary Art Gallery and now basement bar downstairs if you haven't discovered. Um, but tonight we're here to officially open the works of Tamara Dean's Force of Nature. I have to acknowledge some people who've travelled an awfully long way to come to see us, certainly representing the Martin Dean Contemporary in Sydney. Tamara herself has come from the idyllic um, just the outskirts of Bury, which has not got weather like this, never has weather like this. Um, so I'm sorry, but we've turned on our best charms for you tonight. I think it's sleeting out there, is it not now? So, um, and I'd like to thank, say thank you to everyone who's braved the Ballarat winter yet again to come out and um, mark the opening of this amazing show. I'd also like to thank Owen Craven, who's um, well curator, ex-editor, uh, UAP projects, way too many achievements on your CV for me to mention. <laughs> um, but tonight's show is obviously on the cusp of the opening of the Ballarat International Photo Biennale, which we're really proud to be alongside of. We're not part of the, the official calendar, but we're very happy to be alongside of, of the, uh, the Photo Biennale. And I'm sure, as you've all seen, these works are powerful, compelling, so beautiful, and I suppose pieces that resonate with you long after you've looked at them. But I'm not going to talk for any longer. This is actually a bit of a panel discussion between Tamara and Owen, where Owen will be quizzing Tamara about the, her works. And as an audience, I'm sorry you have no chairs. Um, you'll just have to stand if you want to sit this chair around the corner. But there will be questions and answers at the close. So I'm going to hand it over to you two. Thank you so much. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Tara. Yes. Um, and thank you, everybody, for joining us, uh, but particularly to Tamara. And congratulations to everybody on, on a beautiful uh, exhibition, obviously, the work of Tamara, but uh, exhibitions uh, come together with, uh, due to many, many hands and many, many minds, sort of pulling themselves together and, and putting a lot of energy into to bringing this all into fruition. So congratulations to everybody, and thank you for having us all. Um, Tamara and I will, uh, I won't quiz her, there's no right or wrong answer, but we'll have a lovely conversation and by all means there'll be the opportunity for people to ask Tamara about some of her work. Um, yeah, it is, uh, the works are evocative, they pose questions, they draw you in. Um, I'll, I'll sort of read a, a short introduction of, of Tamara's work as, as I know it, but um, you know, I find her work uh, to be very evocative. They capture figures that are immersed in landscapes. They, there are scenes that resemble baptisms, uh, there are poetic depictions of teenage rites of passage in uh, various spaces. Um, but most importantly, I think Tamara's work, they, they tell stories of um, connection, 
humans connecting with each other, humans connecting to nature. They tell stories of experimentation. Uh, they really sort of highlight the, what I think is an essence of human form, that being vulnerability uh, and, and transformation, people letting themselves go in, in a safe space. Um, and what is more gorgeous uh, in that context is that uh, Tamara sometimes doesn't know these people that she's shooting or doesn't know them intimately beforehand and she builds up this wonderful sense of trust and rapport with her subjects to um, create these beautiful images. Um, so with that in mind and that sort of scene setting, because that's my interpretation, it's always wonderful and a privilege to hear from the artist. I, I, I'll ask Tamara to maybe talk a little bit about her work, but um, in the first instance, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind this exhibition, The, the Force of Nature, as a, as a, a, yeah, a culmination of work. It's not just um, your most recent work, it's going back to some of the work from 2013. Yes, sure. Um, just quickly, thanks everyone for coming. Um, I guess it's, it's been an interesting journey uh, with my work because it's taken a long time for me to really be able to articulate what it is I'm, I'm doing. And I feel like I'm at the point now where I sort of have more of an understanding of that. And this, the way that these two body, so Force of Nature um, includes works from my series uh, Instinctual, uh, which is the more recent one, and then uh, my 2013 series The Edge. And uh, the underlying theme for both of those series is the importance uh, that I place on the connection between us as humans and nature and making the connection within our own sort of psyche that we are a part of nature. And with the state of the world that it is today, uh, environmentally, I think it's really important that uh, we start to have these remembrances that we are actually you know, a part of nature and to not value that is sort of at both our own and nature's de sort of demise or... Um, so that's sort of, I guess, if I want to bring everything down to one, sort of distill it down to one theme, that would be it. Yeah. It's interesting that um, there's that overarching theme that uh, you know, permeates through all of the works, but um, each work individually tells a really powerful narrative and a really powerful story. Yeah, even though you, you work in series, how do you approach um, images uh, you know, when you're composing works? Can you tell us a little bit about that process on, on making a picture? Do you think one image at a time or are you always thinking about a much higher sort of grouping of works and a story that you want to tell? Well, I sort of, I think uh, certainly in The Edge, it's very site responsive. So. Uh, I, there's not a single photo here that I knew was going to be that photograph. Uh, it's a very organic process and I'll find, uh, I'll find certainly in the case of The Edge, a, a group of people who want to be engaged in the series and then they, will, they took me to places that were important to them once I explained what the series was about. So for me, uh, at that point, I would say, you know, I'm really interested in you introducing me to places that you go as a teenager or early 20s, that sort of age, to, to go and, you know, party out in the bush or to go and, um, you know, hang out in an area that's not as controlled as, you know, our main streets and, you know, where, where the sort of there's, there's the safety nets. And so these are all places that are sort of secret places that people took me to and 
and then the way they interacted with that space was what I photographed. So uh, I suppose there's an element that is uh, from from my sort of photojournalistic background, I bring the observational element of watching them within that space and then um, I might get them to enact it again and again until I get what I'm looking for. But there's a sense of integrity to the moment because they're somewhere that is their place and they're showing me something that they are choosing to, to reveal and that they see as important. So. It's, um, I mean, I find that fascinating that um, there's a sense of voyeurism, but at the same time, you, you magically manage to direct, but you remain invisible in these works. Yeah. Um, how, you know, I alluded to the fact that you don't know your subject, your subjects, you know, the, the sitters very well when you yeah. um, go through that. How do you, A, find the people that you photograph, and B, how do you then, if you don't know them intimately, uh, so quickly develop that sense of trust and and draw out and, and let them feel like they can be vulnerable? Well, it's, it's a little bit case by case, but uh, more recently I've been putting uh, call-outs on Instagram or Facebook and those sort of areas. So I tend to attract people uh, who nominate themselves or their friends who have an understanding of what my work has been. So they come to the shoot with a, an idea of what they're a part of, in a way. Um, and then in other cases, I show them. I, you know, I might see them and say, oh, it'd be great to work with you, and show them my images. And there's a lot that I don't actually have to say when they see the photographs I've taken before. And they sort of, there's a sort of, the, there's a sense of understanding and, um, yeah. And I think, like, going into someone else's space allows a sense of sort of authorship for them. Like, they, they know what they want to show a yeah. little bit. And do you think that ability to tell their story has been influenced by you know, the fact that you were sort of almost you know, a decade and, or more than a decade working as a photojournalist? Um, do you think that the, there are those tricks that you've learnt from that kind of... Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like my biggest, ironically, my um, the biggest or the most important skill I learnt when I was working um, on the Sydney Morning Herald was that of directing. Because when I first worked there, I would walk into a, someone's space and and they'd say, and I'd be like, they're going, okay, just do what you do, and they're like, well, what do you want me to do? And so there was this sort of area that I had to kind of come to terms with where I there was an editorial kind of story that was trying to be told and I had to sort of tease that out of the situation. So um, that allowed me to learn those tools in terms of directing people but allowing them to still show a part of themselves. And so when I have my own narratives I'm trying to explore, I, I try and bring in those skills, I guess. Yeah. One of the other things that you touched on before was the youthfulness. What is it that draws you to those younger people and how does that help reinforce or help you explore the the idea of our connection to nature more so than the older people who are more affected say well i that's directly from my own experiences so when i when i finished high school and went out into the world i um i went 
on a quest, I guess, if I was to call it anything, a quest to find myself and find my where I sat in the world. And that involved going to festivals and into the into kind of, I don't know, quite, I guess, extreme sort of places. And, uh, and for me, the, the, there was a lot of people of my age group looking for a similar thing. And for me, it was like these rites of passage that in you know, contemporary Australian society are very are lacking, apart from like going out and just getting pissed and you know, all of the things that sort of happen when you turn 18. For me, I wanted something. I wanted to find something more and something deeper. And going to the going to the bush was like, or going out into nature was uh, the place for me to find that. And you know, going to places where you had to challenge yourself in ways that weren't prescriptive. Uh, certainly, like the rituals that I think are instinctually made. Uh, for instance, I, I mean, I'm not sure what's around Ballarat, but where I grew up, and I certainly know a lot of stories that people bring to me, there's, there's a water hole somewhere, and there's a rope swing, and a rock jump, and there's places that you kind of, you make your own challenges. And for me, when I show these works, I have a lot of people come to me with this sense of nostalgia around those spaces, because we're sort of so, as we grow older, and we, uh, I can only talk for myself, but you know, there's this technological world we're in now, and I think, those experiences where you're still sort of really open to the world and finding yourself and your place in the world, they they take you to places like this. I think I lost my train a little bit. No, there, no, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's it's almost like, um, and again, your work is very serene. I find it very calming anyway. But it's almost like it's a call to arms to tell us to. Um, Slap ourselves out of it. Take a take take a moment, and um, you know, these are constructed um, images, obviously, but they're constructed, and there's a reality going on. And and you know, by coming and looking at your works, you're inviting us as viewers to just pause and and put the phone away mm. or get rid of whatever that distraction is, and and immerse yourself into it. Mm. Um, which is interesting because I know a lot of your work is also. Um, you know, you, you're a photographer, but you are exploring these other um, experiential um, mm. uh, kind of practices as well. So a couple of years ago, um, you had an exhibition as, at the University of New South Wales where you constructed um, almost a diorama-like space. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, uh, so I had this idea that uh, I go back in my mind to where the conception of that was. But I, I essentially, I created a space that was, um, it was a darkened room and it had mirrors down two walls, which gave the sense that when you looked in either direction, like in a lift, you know, you saw yourself going off into infinity. And I had a massive photograph at the back of the room and water across the floor and stones that you would walk into the room in, across the water through, and I had a scent artist, Ainsley Walker, create a scent that was very um, kind of a mossy sort of earthy scent, uh, and I had recorded sound of uh, bellbirds and cicadas. So uh, the idea was that in, people would walk individually and have a, a, an individual experience in this space, and it was very reflective, and it kind of it was, it was a reminder of what it's like to be in nature and to, 
to value that and um, it wasn't just a reminder it, it was completely immersive yeah so you invited people to step on cobblestones yeah. and you also but you also restricted the amount of people that could be in the yeah. space at any one time yeah and I guess I, I bring it up because it's um yeah, again reinforcing that point it, these works the works do feel like an invitation to to stop pause disconnect from what is increasingly common that world's sort of spinning and mm. going around at a million miles an hour and yeah your photography does that but you love to sort of enhance that effect for, for people and I think that's also because like when I'm in these places there's they're just so rich and there's such an experience like and to stand here and look at that two-dimensional photograph is an experience but like the idea of building more of what it was actually like being there into the experience of looking at the photograph really excites me so just because it's sort of I don't know there's just so much going on in that moment mm. um, and I guess film is is a way of exploring that but I'm sort of interested in exploring it in creating these physical spaces around still with the photograph as the entry point uh, but yeah there's even the works here that are unframed um, and they do create quite a different experience I think the, the wall, work on the other side of the wall there is if people haven't it's unglazed yeah. um, sorry unglazed rather than unframed um, but even that the box frame does sort of draw you in but then there's this completely different texture and, mm. and uh, it's very alluring you touched on the whole idea of the cinematic and um, kind of you know the, the role of cinema um, your images yeah, they've got a really beautiful 19th century kind of painting uh, tenor to them that uh, at times they're very dramatic and, and like a, a cinematic movie still. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those sort of influences that I'm putting on to you? <laughs> but yeah. but um, I think others might see something similar. Um, can you tell us about those inspirations and those aesthetic sort of uh, influences that guide your work? Yeah. Uh, so I... I guess as I was forming my influences like and discovering images in the world, uh, John William Waterhouse was a huge in visual influence on my work. Um, and so I lived with posters of his paintings around my room and that just in, I, I just found those images incredibly, uh, they would take me somewhere, you know, that I, that was very different to the world I was living in. And, uh, I often have people saying that the images are quite cinematic and I suppose like I, there is a sense of narrative that runs through the, the photographs that I think is what, what is being referenced there. So what I enjoy doing in my photographs and it's probably for me most evident in, there's an image called the creek which is as you first walk in and there's a girl, there's some girls making their way through a creek and then there's a girl leaving the frame. And that girl leaving the frame was an, a revelation for me because what she did was she took the story from being within the photo and, and took it outside of the photograph because you started looking and going, well, where is she going and why is she going? And just the, the kind of story that would start to be asked um, built so much more into the, into the photograph for me. And so that's sort of where I try and continue taking my work. It's <coughs> an interesting point and something we've spoken about um, recently uh, together, but 
there is a strong narrative and, and I suppose something more um, readable when the full figures are there and they're engaging perhaps with the, the camera in, in these ways or with one another. But there's particularly in some of your more recent works, so the, the pool of people swimming there, again, that photograph of people in the pond with the lilies, mm. there's an ambiguity that um, that is coming through the, the human form um, the flesh, for instance, of some of those bodies in the work behind there mm-hmm. uh, is the same colour as the reflected um, you know, uh, cloudscapes or the faces are emerging from the water just you know, in the same form as the lily pads. Yeah. Uh, that ambiguity is telling less of a story but perhaps opening up more of a story or yeah. posing more questions. Yeah, so I guess as my work evolves, I'm trying to take it to a more universal level in a way, in that I'm relating the human figure to natural, um, you know, as you're saying, reflecting like the lily pads or showing the parallels in that sort of sense of life in nature and in humans and trying to draw those parallels. So taking it a a little bit um, from very, uh, I guess, more, um, yeah, narrative-based works and making the conversation between us and the universe and <laughs> like uh, just a different place I guess yeah how, so how important is the place there how significant do you what's more important the the people or do you um, find a place and and think this is this is an area that I want to explore or you what, yeah. what a, is it a bit of both? I mean, some of these works here, for instance, the um, Ebenezer Rock Hall with rock the drop, yep. rock, drop, rock Drop with the, the people climbing. Oh, by Field, yeah. By Field, sorry. Yeah. Um, that's uh, taken in New York, yep. um, or just outside of New York. Mm-hmm. How significant is that place to what you're doing um, versus some of these Australian landscapes? Geographically, it, it makes no difference for me. It's because I'm taking quite. Uh, there's sort of nothing places the works necessarily except for the foliage, really. Uh, but in terms of, like, I, I very rarely will just photograph a landscape without a figure. I find that the figure, no matter how large or small, is the entry point for the viewer into that work and to, into placing yourself into that scene and starting to relate to it. I feel like, for, for me, introducing a figure um, is, is an entry point, yeah. Yeah, and so, hence your comments before, the figure is, you're happy for the figure to also lead you into places. Yeah. Um, has the advent or the, the presence of social media changed the way that you even think, though, about how you might pull people into uh, your work? I mean, it's obviously a lot easier now to, to source people. Yeah. And particularly as, you know, you, you've... You've got a following of people and, and, a, and you know, an expansive list of followers on Instagram and those sorts of things. Yeah. Is that um, changing the way that you think about how you approach works, knowing that you might get more people or that more people are interested? Or has it not really changed and there's still a sort of a group of people that are shy? And uh, Well, I mean, when I first started, everyone I photographed was my friends. So right. it went from a very different place where... I was photographing my friends and we were sort of in the space that we were doing what we were doing to putting a call out and having people that choose to... Because more recently I'm putting call out 
it's for people who are happy to be nude in the photograph. So um, it means that it's only people who are happy to do that that, that come to me for the shoots. And uh, so it's sort of, I suppose, by doing it that way, it cuts through a lot of the awkwardness because everyone's there with an intention, like that everyone knows what's going to happen. It's just a matter of getting your clothes off and getting out into the landscape. So it's actually quite fast. So whereas previously it would have, you know, it, the, the, the mechani mechanics of actually getting everyone in a place takes a long time uh, and for everything to be right. But I used to have to wait for the moments, whereas now I can kind of make the moments happen because everyone there has an understanding. And that's taken building bodies of work for people to be able to reference and go, I understand where that sits and what I can do within that. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting place because it's sort of a little bit more streamlined because there's sort of all of that visual reference material that people have seen, they, they, it's a whole lot of stuff I don't have to say and mm. people just get. So it's a, it's a sort of easier process in a way. Shorter, um, but also there's the, you know, there is that awkward moment at the beginning. And I guess, I, I, I suppose the funny thing for me about a lot of the images I make is there's this sense of serenity and that I try and achieve and a sense of connection. But in reality, it's very uncomfortable. Like, it's very rare that it's a comfortable situation. People are nude in nature and it's, you know, there's the, there's the social parts of that that are uncomfortable and there's the physical parts of that are, that are uncomfortable. But for me, like coming, those images are really important because I think it's, you know, part of being human is being uncomfortable and, you know. Vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. So. But I think that's also testament to you as a practitioner and an artist to be able to disarm and, and build that comfort. Yeah. I wanted to offer, <coughs> excuse me, people the opportunity to um, ask questions of Tamara. Yeah. It's photographed, um, but I, too, I do try and uh, use the kind of lighting that makes it appear painterly. But so, you've also yeah. printed it on a, on a cotton rag, yeah. so rather than... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the type of paper and the way that the ink sits on it, like there's a whole lot of elements that give that effect, yeah. Thanks. Anyone else? Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you know, there, there's, there's a lot of risk that comes into that time, and you know, the, the fearlessness of being that age, you know, and thinking that you're invincible and how quickly life can be taken away from you, and that's very present for me, certainly. Yeah. Mm. You know, you show the work saying, do a book 20 years later, so it says, I'm now the local minister. <laughs> 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 I, don't, I don't want that photo anymore. Uh, how does that work? I mean, I hope that 
at this stage that hasn't happened. Um, I think I would hope that people look back and with fondness because there, there's not a single shoot here for me that wasn't a, a positive experience. Um, and I think a lot of people are quite happy to have that, to stand by that. Um, yeah, it's not shameful or, yeah, there's sort of, I would like to think that the images, even when people are nude, are done with dignity and uh, respect. So I, I would hope that none, none of them would be in a position where they wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting point, though, that you make that... Um... I know, I do a lot of it. Yeah. Lucky I didn't photograph Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he would have given you something himself. <laughs> yeah. um, you've referenced, and this is actually that's the question, is it a painting, is it a, is it a photograph? Um, I have a real sense that you're really um, influenced by pre-Raphaelite mm. and um, Renaissance-style painting yeah. and the treatment of particularly the male figure, like the young male figure, being a sign of sort of innocence and beauty. Mm. I mean, Jermaine Gray's got a few comments on that. Um, do you find that... It travels well into photography. Is it a hard thing to achieve that this idea of painterly nature in your works? Uh, I've not ex kind of examined it in myself enough, maybe. <laughs> but I, I photograph what I see as beautiful, and I think I see when the light is a certain way. I see that, and I'm like, that's I want to record it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's interesting you bring up the male thing because I until this series. I'd predominantly photographed girls or women or females, and my work was very feminine, and I wanted to push myself with this series, The Edge, to photograph guys. And when I first started putting a call out for it, I, I just put it out for guys around the age of 18 up, uh, 18 to 21, something like that. And um, I, I didn't hear from... I don't think I heard from any guys, but I heard from sisters and mothers saying, "Use my son, use my boy, use my boyfriend or brother," and and um, and so I started it off just photographing guys, and then I did this shoot down in Wentworth Falls at the bottom of the. Um, it wasn't that one, but it was around the same time, and I had this group of guys and they were all just like they were jumping off this waterfall and it was all very like vivid and and uh daring and then um this girl like this girl who was random girl came into the scene and um and she uh she was obviously just coming down to the waterfalls with her friends and the dynamics in the guys just changed so dramatically. And they were all kind of like showing off to her and like, just like all these sort of little, they, their attention on being photographed just completely disappeared. And it was all about just performing to this girl. And I thought, how can I leave that out of this age stage? You know, that's just such a 
part of it. So I started incorporating like both sexes into the series. But I um I started photographing boys. Sorry, back to that initial thing because I um I'd grown up with sisters and lots of girls around me. But then I had a son, and I suddenly was introduced to the beauty of boys. And it just, for me, it was just, it opened my eyes to a part of um, masculinity that I had never, ever had an insight into. And that, that took, that made me want to explore it in this particular series. There's a gorgeous fragility in that man-boy series. It's over on the far wall there. Thanks. It's just that, it's just, you can see there's that painful, yet beautiful moment. Yeah. Chrysalis crack. Yeah. moment. And um, I think you captured it really, really well. I don't have boys, so I kind of like, ooh, well, that's yeah. glad that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, there's, I suppose, like, my perceptions of femininity and masculinity have been all uh, completely shaken by both having my daughter and my son, and, um, and I, uh, you know, it just broke every idea in my whole mind about that sort of stuff, and for me, there is this sort of what we call femininity in, um, in these boys that is just so beautiful that I just, I'm so privileged to have had an insight into, yeah. There is this beautiful sense of um, uh, neutrality is not quite the right word, but you made the comment that I find them serene and you sort of find them quite foreboding. And, and there are works where I've, I've um, emerged, which is a, a, an image of, of a boy emerging out of, out of quite sort of traumatised water. And, yeah. and a lot of people say, oh, it's so calming. He's sort of, he's quite serene. And I sit there and go, oh my gosh, I find it really sort of confronting. Yeah. But then likewise, the ambiguity of the male and the female is, it, it's the, the, the images are um, there for, for the audience to mm -hmm. receive and, and um, bring their own perceptions to and their own experiences to mm. that, that openness um, makes for a really um, challenging at times, comforting at other times experience of viewing your work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a practical question. Just about framing options for the photos. Yep. I've at home a couple of really large photos that are frameless. Uh-huh. And I, I find that it's a really different interaction that you have with the image when there's a frame around it, conventionally there's not. Yep. And I was just wondering how you, your work has been framed uh, there's a mix in this exhibition. Um, I pretty much always frame, well, for the most part, where the frame comes to the edge of the image is the, like, kind of referencing the painterly. Um, yeah, but the, for me, the, um, having the glass or perspex, whichever it might be, it has always been a difficulty because I'm photographing quite dark scenes and so the reflection is enhanced. Yeah. So I've tried to, um, I, there are, you'll see there is a mix of images, some have non-reflective glass in them and uh, you can see the image better but my, I, I love it when there's no glazing at all as in the case of the one around the back here but it does create a very fragile surface so there's, there is, um, you know, pros and cons. Yeah. And you always use a frame, like a solid frame? Yeah, I like to. I like having the wood. Yeah. Mm. Bringing nature into it. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I've got a slightly technical question. Yeah. How are you able to capture work like shoulder, which is, to me seems like a bird's eye view, or cosmos on the other side of here? 
Yeah. Well, um, this particular one, shoaling, I was I found a bridge that sat over a body of water, so I was able to photograph from above. And on Cosmos, I had a ladder, and uh, <laughs> which is quite challenging because they're long, ex they're relatively long exposures, so uh, that has its challenges. Yeah. There's a whole other narrative happening outside. <laughs> oh, if you if you could see the shoes. Sort of <laughs> yeah, they they're quite um they're quite funny. They'd be quite funny to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and this one was the I have a story that accompanies that one from the actual shoot itself that isn't to do with the thematics of it or anything. But um I was photographing these people off this bridge. And uh, it was up, I was doing a residency up around Byron, and this woman came past about, we'd been, they'd been in the water for about 10 minutes, and she came up and she said, you have to get everyone out of the water right now. And I was like, what, what's going on? And she said, oh, there are bull sharks in the water, and I've seen dogs taken here. And so I've never seen people get out of water faster <laughs> in my whole life. <laughs> but, um, and there was a dog in there at one point. We had to get the dog out. Some random dog came running in. Anyway, it's very funny. But uh, yeah, everyone survived, thankfully, or it would have been horrible. It's very impressive that you have, with that particular picture of Shoaling, managed to actually not get one boob or penis <laughs> or any inside. Uh, actually, was that chance, or were you actually saying, no, one roll over? No, um, I, I did not give that instruction. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'm quite sensitive to I, I I have like I know what I want to yeah. capture and yeah. To manage to get that choreograph like that it's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions? No, they're not. Yeah. I used to work predominantly on film and I made the switch to digital because I um this is very technical. Sorry, it's a bit boring. But uh, it, um, I could get a certain size scan from film that I could process through my computer. And the point at which the medium format camera gave me a file at equivalent of that size, there was sort of, it was a, a no-brainer for me to be able to get through my processing. It was more affordable, and the quality of the camera I'm using is incredible. So, yeah, I made the switch. But, I don't see it as a lesser form, it's just, it serves the purposes that, yeah. There's a little um, look. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But you do have a really strong working relationship with your printer, which yeah. is um, vital and important. That's so. true, yeah. Yeah, so I, all of the works are printed by the same person, Warren Macris, who we sit down and labour over them. He labours over them for, for days with me saying, a little bit this way, a little bit more yellow or this. Anyway, it's a process getting to them to this point, so. quite streamlined. There's a limit to the size, but yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so I'm currently working on two major projects for the 
2018 Adelaide Biennial of Australian Art. Um, one of them is a photographic project uh, and the other is an installation. So deeply involved in those at the moment, yeah. One of the, the, the biennial, there's two locations yep. that they'll be shown in. So one's in the Art Gallery of South Australia, but the other one is, again, site specific and yes. responsive. And I, I won't go into too much detail, but it's yep. being exhibited in um, the Museum of Economic, Economic Botany, Botany yep. in the uh, Botanic Gardens in, in Adelaide. Yeah. So um, I think that's without talking about the body of work, because it's a new body of work that alludes to enough... Uh, uh, yeah, some interesting sort of explorations there that relate to the sort of local, local setting. Yeah, that's right. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it too much, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, it opens in March, the second of March next year. It's not going to clash with my night, is it? It's not going to. Okay. Oh, I'm so bad with dates. <laughs> it's worth the trip. The, the biennial, there's there's something like 20... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be on for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. With thanks to Owen Craven and Tamara Dean, as well as a huge thank you to Nikki Catley, who helped coordinate and curate the whole collection for this show. We are in her debt. Our next podcast will be a complement to this edition, where we discuss the future state of Australian photography. This will be with a stellar lineup of Australian photographers, all female, all young, and all making a big difference. This has been The Lost Ones Podcast. <laughs>